0: Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? since you are not under the law, but under grace.
1: Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 6. Jeff read our teaching text this morning. We are um, typically at this time in our service, we dismiss our children um, to children's church. But this morning, uh, I give you my word, this is going to be Short. I won't say short and sweet, but it's going to be short Uh, sermon. Really short, and we are going to um, we're going to have a baptismal service. So bear with us, parents. I know some of you are gritting your teeth right now, going, "Oh goodness." Well, this is good good reason to pray. You know, I need to draw near to the Lord this morning. So um, Romans chapter six. We are so glad that you are here. You know, Blake. Shankel's not here. He was in a fight yesterday, and uh, he went down in the second round. A wasp got him, and he's got one eye shut, and so uh, he's uh, taking Benadryl and hoping that swelling goes down before small group tonight. Um, that's the reason he's not here, but I am glad that so many of you are here, some of you are here, family members and friends of family, uh, to see these few get baptized and this is a special day for them and for our church David Wells he says that worldliness makes sin look normal and righteousness seems strange Say that again worldliness makes sin look normal and righteousness seem strange now we have six of our own who think that sin is abnormal and righteousness is a common part of their new experience as born-again believers today they're going to make their public profession of faith by being obedient to the Lord in baptism and we rejoice as a church uh, not just those of us who are parents of these children but we rejoice as the church because we we all had a hand in this um, transformation that's taken place in these, in these children's lives the Baptist faith and message 2000 it's, it's our creed our statement of faith like if you want to know what we believe as a church you can go to that statement and and it's what we embrace but it says this about baptism Christian baptism is the immersion of a believer in water in the name of the Father the Son and the Holy Spirit it is an act of obedience symbolizing the believers faith in a crucified buried and risen Savior the believer's death to sin, the burial of the old life, and the resurrection to walk in newness of life in Christ Jesus. It is a testimony to a person's faith in the final resurrection of the dead. Being a, member, uh, being a, a church ordinance, it is prerequisite to the privileges of church membership and to the Lord's Supper. So that's baptism. And we look in our text in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 14. Let me give you the context for Romans 6. God's righteousness by faith in Jesus Christ is the theme of the book of Romans. All right, that's the theme of the book. And all that are in Adam are sinful and condemned. How many of you are in Adam? Well, if you're a human being, you're in Adam. You're a child of Adam. All that are in Adam are sinful and condemned. They will be judged, or could say we will be judged, because God doesn't show favoritism. Not even for the Jew. But a righteousness from God, despite that fact, has been revealed, in which the law and the prophets spoke about, and that righteousness comes by grace through faith in Christ. Romans chapter 3 shows us that Abraham and David, they're examples of those who are made righteous, not by their works, but by faith and not keeping the law. So the work of Adam, all that Adam did, resulted in condemnation. Jesus' work results in justification. So all in Adam are condemned. All in Jesus are justified. Robert mounts, he says, God's grace is infinitely greater for good than Adam's sin is for evil. And so as as sin increases through the law, the power of grace is magnified. Sin is overpowered by grace, you could say. Paul tells us in chapter five, verse twenty and twenty one, where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. Well, you can see where this is going. Well, some would say, well, if sin brings more grace, then let's sin all we want so we can receive more grace. Woohoo! Right? No, that's not. That's not how we should embrace this great truth. So to combat this faulty thinking, Paul gives us three analogies. In the first part of chapter 6, he talks about baptism. In the second part of chapter 6, he talks about slavery. And then in chapter 7, verse 1 through 6, he brings up the illustration of marriage. Okay, So we're looking at baptism this morning, Romans chapter 6. And he brings up, Paul brings up the word no three times in nine verses. And so what he's trying to do is Paul is trying to increase the Roman's the ones who are receiving this letter, and of course us as we study today, increase knowledge. Christian living depends on Christian learning. We want to teach the Bible, we want to learn the Bible because duty follows doctrine. Paul wants us to understand that our union with Christ is really, really important. He wants us to understand that because he wants us to live. God wants us to live a a holy life. Think about this. When you think about baptism, what do you think of? Most of you probably think about Jesus's And that's our first point today. It doesn't come from the text, but it's something we, we often think of. When you think of baptism, what do you think of? Well, think about Jesus being baptized. Jesus came to John the Baptist, so John the Baptist could baptize him. Matthew chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you come to me. But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, he being John the Baptist, consented and, of course, baptized Jesus. And John the Baptist had the same attitude that, that we would have, right? Jesus, I need to be baptized by you, right? But Jesus came to be baptized so he could fulfill all righteousness. Well, that, that fulfill all righteousness, that's a little enigmatic, I think, to us. It is for me. What does that mean, that Jesus came to fulfill all righteousness? Well, James Montgomery Boyce, he refers to this as Christ's active obedience. He says sometimes we see Jesus' passive obedience, like going to the cross to pay for the man's sin. That's passive obedience, but this is active obedience. His active obedience was his perfect obedience to all of God's commands and decrees. And we know that Jesus, when he was baptized, he wasn't being baptized to indicate to the world that he had repented. But instead, Jesus was identifying with humanity, identifying with us sinners. Harry Ironside, he writes, he who was to take the sinner's place came to be baptized of John, that he might thereby be identified with sinners for whom he was to lay down his life. So it's the Father's will that Jesus be baptized. So it goes without saying that Jesus' baptism was a righteous act. He did all that the Father desired him to do, including baptism. So when when someone asks you, why are we baptized? Easy answer is Jesus was baptized, right? He is our exemplar, and we are following his example. The second point, which comes from our text today, is These being baptized are testifying that they have died to sin. Verses 1 through 3, Jeff read their text for us. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Of course not, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? These six believers today are testifying that they've died to sin. What does that mean? What does it What does it mean that they've died to sin? Does it mean that they never sin? John Elizabeth shaking their head. Paul's going to be baptized today, but they're shaking their head. No, that doesn't mean you never sins. All right, no, it doesn't mean you don't sin. Does it mean that we're not influenced or affected by sin? Well, no, that doesn't fit with life, does it? I mean, if we all, how many believers in here and we all all the believers raise their hand, well, do you struggle with selfishness and pride? We all would say yes. So that doesn't fit with life. Of course not. It doesn't mean when we say we have died to sin, it doesn't mean we never sin or we never struggle with sin. And it doesn't fit with verses twelve through thirteen, where Paul admonishes the Romans not to lust, not to present their members of our body, of their bodies to sin. So if sin has no effect on us now as believers, Paul would have no reason to say don't sin. So it can't be that. So what does it mean that we're, as believers, dead to sin? Well, let's look at verse 9 and 10. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. Look at verse 10. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. Now, we're told in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, a very familiar verse for most of us. We learned the Roman road at an early age. The wages of sin is death. The payment for sin is death. Well, if death is the wage, the payment of sin, so death no longer has dominion over Jesus, then by Christ dying to sin, it means he did away with the penalty and condemnation of sin. As believers, we are baptized into Christ. So we are baptized into his death. So death also no longer has dominion over us. We've been unified with Christ as he died to sin. We died to sin, which means the penalty of sin has been dealt with. And so as we watch this baptism is about to take place, we're seeing a, a drama, right, of what's already taken place in these believers' lives. They've put to death... They've been put to death already, right, because Jesus was put to death, and they no longer bear the penalty of sin. They're going to be put into a water grave, so to speak. They've died, and they're buried with Christ. They've identified with Christ. They have died to sin, and just as Christ was buried, so are they. We as believers, we've died with Christ, we've been buried with Christ, and we've risen with Christ in our worship guide. And, and, and sometimes we, with our announcements, and I'm not saying Chris did that this morning, but sometimes we muddy the water a little bit with those, those deals. But on the back side of our worship guide, there's some kids' notes or sermon notes. And so here's the, here, there's a little hint for you. That's the answer for the, for the kids' notes on the back of the worship guide. We've died with Christ, we've been buried with Christ, and we've risen with Christ. And that's our third point as we conclude those who are baptized are testifying that they have been raised to walk in the newness of life. Just as we're united with Jesus in his death, we're also united with him in his resurrection. Look at verse 4 and 5. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism in the death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we certainly shall be united with him in a resurrection like his. Look at verse 8. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Just as Jesus has resurrection, eternal life, we too are given eternal life. A friend of mine, Lee Tangersley, he tells uh, uses an illustration. I think it's good. It helps us here. If someone is guilty of a crime, someone's committed murder, they're guilty of a crime, it's been proven, they even Confess to the crime. They're sentenced to be put to death, and it takes place. They're executed, and they're, they've died. They've been punished for their crime. Their debt to society has been paid, yet they rise from the dead. Well, that person, what would you say about that person? What happened with that person is what has happened to us in Christ. By our union with Jesus through faith, we have died with him, and yet we live, and we will live for all eternity. For as we die, we will be absent from the body, but be present with the Lord. So it's just as if we've been executed, buried, but we have risen from the dead. How does that affect our lives? Well, we're free from the condemnation of sin. We're no longer slaves to sin, verse 6 tells us. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we no longer be enslaved to sin. Just as the person who was put to death, punished for their crimes, but came back to life doesn't need to walk around thinking, I should be punished and let that, law, that thought lead them to condemnation. No, James, they've already been Punished. The debt has been paid. We believers also remember that we're free from condemnation. Our sin debt has been paid, and we are free to walk in the newness of life. We're free to obey the Lord in all areas of our lives. We've trusted Christ. We died with Him. We rose with Him, and we have resurrection life not because of anything that we've done, but because of our faith and union with the risen Savior. We're, We're dead to sin, but alive to God, no longer condemned by sin. Remembering this will help us follow him and obey him. Verses 12 and 14, we're set free to obey. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under law but under grace. You know, God, He never meant for the gospel to go forth into the world. He never meant for the gospel to go forth and be preached in the world as a means by which sinners can continue to sin. Isn't that something? Isn't that that something? The gospel is meant to be preached so people could be set free, firstly, from sin, the condemnation of sin, be given new life so that we can obey, walk in the newness of life. So today we're going to see this drama, what's already taken place in these believers' lives. So let's be reminded as we watch this baptism of our own changed life that sin's condemning power has been defeated so we too can live like we've been set free. This is a, a public profession of faith. It's a, an act of allegiance. It's an act of worship. It's an outward sign of an inward faith. Let's pray. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. They're going to, as we go back and get prepared for this, for baptism, we're going to sing a little bit, okay? Let's pray. Father, we're thankful for your word. It teaches us about our union with Christ. We are mindful, understanding that those of us who are in faith those of us who know you have been reconciled to you, have, We're only reconciled to you through Christ. There's nothing we offer of ourselves. There's nothing we do to earn that. Father, it is mercy and it is grace. And we're thankful for the life these six new believers. As we've been talking for months and years for some of them, we've concluded that they have yielded to you. They've been born again and they seek to not only tell our church but tell the world that they're new creatures in Christ and they want to obey you and father may we as we watch this baptismal service may we be reminded of the work you've done in our lives and we too are dead to sin and we too have been given new life in Christ help us father to be encouraged And I pray for these six brothers and sisters in Christ that you would encourage them Then, when they struggle and life gets hard as it always does, you would remind them of your goodness and their union with Christ and may they be encouraged and persevere in their faith. We thank you for your word. Thank you for how we can study it And understand it by the power of the Holy Spirit, apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.